Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey there, everybody. It's Dave here, and Darren is on the way. He's having technical difficulties at this moment. His computer wasn't allowed the camera or the mic to come on. He's working through that. Hopefully, a reboot solves that problem. He'll join us shortly. Welcome to the latest episode of Two Old Bloggers with Darren and Dave. Soon as Dave or Darren gets here. Today, we have a jam-packed show with three exciting themes, as usual. First up, we'll be talking about the latest training camp tidbits from the Vikings and over at Egan at TCO Training Field. We'll be discussing standout players, potential signings, and there's breaking news right before the show, and what we can expect from the team in the upcoming season. Next, We're going to be shining that 2024 free agent spotlight on K.J. Osborne, the Vikings' fourth-year wide receiver. We'll take a close look at his past performances, his upcoming free agency in 2024, and what the future could could look like with this, you know, look like with the Vikings or with somebody else. But specifically in 2023, what it looks like for him on this version of your Minnesota Vikings. And then in our final theme, we're going to be discussing the return of Vikings football. Yes, it's just a preseason game, but we get to see the purple in pads playing full speed for the first time since January of last, you know, months ago. I said last year, last season. We'll be previewing that upcoming preseason game against those Seattle Sea Chickens and highlight the key players that you'll probably be wanting to watch. We'll also examine the importance of the preseason games and what they can tell us about the team's strengths and weaknesses. And I can't wait to watch Flores in that defense. So sit back, relax. Grab your favorite beverage and join us for another exciting episode of Two Old Bloggers. Vikings First and Skull presents This Week in Vikings Land with Darren and Dave, your two old bloggers. And here I am on the wrong screen. Yay. 
This was last week's. We'll move that. Not a big deal. Here we go. Our show today, titled Return of Vikings Football, the preseason preview. And as you can see, that big black blob in the middle is supposed to be Darren. However, he's not here yet. Wonder where he is. Hopefully, he's rebooting his computer. Like I said, he's having an issue. We tested two hours ago. Great signal. He's got the full mic set up. Everything's working fantastic. And now he goes on and it won't let him, won't recognize the microphone or the camera. That's great. Now, the breaking news right before everything hit was I want to put this, uh, bring this up, see if I can see it real quick. Was that the Vikings signed former first round wide receiver, Nikhil Harry? He was drafted in the first round by the Patriots in 2019. He's only 25 years old. He's six foot four, 225 pounds. So he's a good size wide receiver. He's coming from the Bears, his previous stint. Nothing to get too excited about, however. He's one of those first-rounders that never lived up to his billing. So, but that is the breaking news. The Vikings signed him. Um, Darren's telling me it says it's rigging, but not letting me in. I'll tell him, try again. Anyways, how is everybody today? I want to say hello to everybody in the chat. We have Miss Sarah, Justin, my worthless opinion, of course, the wonderful and beautiful Miss Mary Fisk, and hopefully today, Mary, your day is better. We have Dan. Aaron's down here in Austin, sweating his off because it's warm. Like normally in Texas, Texas is known for its brisket. How do you cook brisket? Low and slow. Well, that's what's happening to all of us down here. We're being cooked low and slow. Another day, well over 100. Hey there, Raymond. Yogi, good to see you. Chad's here as well. There's Norsefius. So, Darren is again trying to work on getting everything here and up and running. But in the meantime, I can start. There's nothing wrong with that. We're going to go with the first theme. And now that I'm back on my regular screen, everything works. Yay. Scroll down. First one is the training camp tidbits we've done the quick hitters this is the the version of the quick hitters only for the training camp welcome to see you young seam slim hey jason good to see you first thing that darren wanted to talk about if he ever shows up is jordan addison 
Jordan Addison, nicknamed Speedy Gonzalez, besides um, that little incident, which hopefully he learned from, is standing out in camp. He is making plays. He is beating good, hopefully good, defenders. He's beaten Caleb Evans. He's beaten Brian Murphy. That happens to be a great thing. Because with him on the team, hopefully being able to do that and then translating that to the opposition, now people, yes, they're going to double-team Justin Jefferson. Well, that should mean he's more wide open for Kirk Cousins to go, <laughs> I see you there, Jordan. Here's the ball. Hey, Jonathan. Bob Sweet, go to the bullpen, Dave. Go to the bullpen. <laughs> I, hopefully Darren figures it out. Like I said, we just tested it two hours ago. It worked great. Um, yeah. Aaron's saying our whiteouts are look good because our secondary is bad. That is a possibility. I agree. Hopefully it's not the case. Hopefully it's not the case. But we'll see. He looks he's looking like he already belongs, and that's a great thing. And bought up bing, bought up boom. Guess who just popped in? There he is. Go ahead, Darren. And we tested it. Now he can't hear us. We can see him. We can see Darren right there. We can see you, Darren. We just can't hear you, Darren. Nothing. (laughs) Oh, this is too funny. This is what modern technology brings you. And Darren, there goes Darren. Well, we can see Darren is alive. Everybody, Darren is alive. We'll keep working on that. So that is interesting. It's I gotta tell them it's in aesthetics. Oh, here I go again. Typing and not speaking. I know somebody that did that. We did that on Saturday. And I want to thank Justin for having me on. Raps and Yogi show while Rap was at the water park and Yogi was at practice. <laughs> Mary. Darren. Hopefully he comes back. Michael Michael asks, what are your thoughts about all the training camp activity with the players that are being cut and added left and right? Well, the majority of them that we're picking up are camp bodies. Uh, nothing more. Don't expect them to make the roster. They're just there to take snaps. That's all it is. So you don't wear out your starters. I don't see anybody that's coming in as a starter. The only possibility we'll get into a little bit later, and that's Dalton Reisner. But not a single one of them. They're all low-level 
hey, this guy's been in the league seven years, and he has five games he's played, like we talked last week. And it's just that that reeks of I'm here to take a few snaps, earn whatever the pay is, $70,000 or something like that, and then be cut after the third preseason game. That That's all they're here for. There's nothing. And I would say that with the wide receiver we just picked up today, unless somebody is, you know, way hurt. And hopefully that's not for Jalen Naylor, because I thought Naylor was doing great. And supposedly he was, you know, just right around the corner. He was going to be back at practice. So I, that's my answer to that. There's nothing that happens this time of year unless it involves a trade that you should really get excited over when it comes to player personnel moves. The only possible exception is Dalton Reisner, and like I said, we'll get into that here in a bit. But we all know the situation there. That hasn't happened yet either. Aaron asks, let's go off script a bit. What's up with TJ? Honest, Aaron, I think it's contractual. I don't think it's injury-related. I could be wrong. I hope it's not injury-related. But I think it could be contractual, and he's pushing the issue. Uh-oh, I just heard something. <laughs> that means I hear Darren, and Darren hears me. Yes? Correct. Awesome. We've got a show, everybody. Sorry. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. master this technology. It's computer, but anyway, I'm here now, half an hour late. <laughs> Not a big deal. I, I just started theme one. Right, As you can see, awesome. Jordan Addison is up there. Tell us what he your is. thoughts are on Jordan Addison. Again, sorry, everybody. Glad that you're sticking around, although you're used to Dave doing this solo the past couple of weeks, I guess. Um, yeah, Addison, like um, training camp tidbits, going to be kind of like, a, I think you explained, a bit of a quick hitters for training camp now that we've got in, uh, into two weeks on this and there's been some developments. And Jordan Addison's been one of them, I think. Uh, you, you know, he didn't get to work at all during OTAs and win mini camp because of the injury, which whatever that injury was, didn't really get disclosed. And then uh, right after that, has a speeding issue or he was driving like 300 miles an hour and got pulled over and we're a bit worried about him. Like what kind of life choices is this kid making? But the, but reading great things about Addison right now, cousins giving him rave reviews about knowing what he's doing on the field, being very smart that way, which, which uh, we knew at USC and at Pitt, he was very productive and, and the guy who could run all the routes seemed to be a very smart, football IQ type player um, has made numerous now toe tapping touch, uh, touchdown catches in the corner in the back of the end zone corner of the end zones made some diving catches uh, and uh, and he's roasting the corners that are covering him creating great separation with quickness and elite athleticism um, you know <clears throat> leaving them in the dust uh, maybe that says something a little bit something about our corners too <laughs> and uh, 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 was your comment about that? Is it how good our receivers are? Or is it how bad our corners are? Mm-hmm. Certainly there's that. So there's a concern there. But um, 
I think that you know after a, a bit of a no start, rough start for Addison in the in the off season for him so far in training camp. Now no games been played. We'll have to see him with the pads on and all that sort of stuff. But what I'm hearing is very very good, and it looks like as I thought that uh, you know I felt that Jordan Addison is going to be a very good player for us. Now how good that's you know we'll see is he going to be justin jefferson good probably maybe not who is but i thought he's going to be a productive viking in during his uh, in the time that he's here and it's looking that way now and it looks like he's going to be you know a major factor for the vikings offense if, if what we're hearing and what we're seeing in training camp with the videos i'm not at training camp to, to watch in person right. but everything i'm reading has been really really good our tyler fornis talked about this week how he's doing all those things i just mentioned and been really really impressive and if he is a is a doing this in the regular season um that's very good news for the vikings offense i think and 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 you know and and so if kj osborne doesn't quite take that next step up as a number two guy maybe addison is your number two and kj osborne is still your number three like he has been the past two years mm-hmm mm-hmm and uh, by the way, you're you're coming through your computer mic instead of the new mic. But anyways, we'll continue. Hmm. Let's see. You said he got great great reviews from uh, this man. Yeah, it was uh, again. Kirk Cousins was talking about how he's where he needs where he expects him to be on the field. Uh, he's catching the ball well. And it looks like uh, Kurt's gaining quickly gaining trust in him on the field, which is big because, uh, you know, Cousins has got the thing with Justin Jefferson, trusts him. He's got the thing with TJ Hawkinson, threw, threw a lot to him last year. Uh, but, uh, you know, it's it's often takes time for those veteran quarterbacks who've been around a while to trust a rookie. And it looks like right now he is trusting George, Jordan Addison uh, can, completely. And we're like not even three weeks into training camp. Which I think uh, is, again is great, is, great news. Which is awesome. And we have, of course, KJ Osborne, which we'll get into later. Or Jordan Edison. <laughs> yeah. And then oh, the next later. of these tidbits you wanted to talk about, and we'll get into because it's an interesting one. This man. Yeah, the the um this bit of old news, but of course. The Vikings brought Dalton Reisner in for a visit earlier this week. They did not sign him. He is not a Viking. And usually when a guy leaves town and doesn't sign a contract, he doesn't come back and sign a contract with us. He's with somebody somewhere else. That, that's still that's not guaranteed, but that's often how it works in free agency. But uh, interesting because in the past shows we've talked about, when we've talked about the offensive line, We've, I've mentioned, you know, we got all five guys coming back. They're probably going to start. That's good for continuity for the offensive line because it's important that they know each guy knows what the other guy's going to do, what their tendencies are, what their weaknesses are, uh, so they can all move as a cohesive unit when they're doing all those things on their blocking, run blocking, pass blocking. Well, if you sign, sign Reisner or somebody else, that messes that up a little bit. Uh, but I think I can understand why the Vikings – brought him in to kick the tires on him because um, right now, if you look at, if you're concerned about the interior offensive line, particularly it's pass blocking, uh, whether it's Garrett Bradbury, Ezra Cleveland and, and Ed Ingram, uh, you have legitimate reasons to be concerned about that because particularly 
Ed Ingram and Ezra were not very good pass blockers last year. And Reisner, although his run blocking was very poor by PFF grades last year, 53.4, I think it was, his pass blocking was, I think, 72.9, which is pretty good. And he's never had below, you can see it down there, never been below 69 PFF grades as pass blockers. So if you sign him, uh, that's potentially, you've got somebody who's an upgrade on the pass blocking, and that can limit if you need to use him or you do want to use him, that can limit the hits that Kirk Cousins is going to get up the middle, which is a good thing because he got hit a lot last year and pressured a lot last year. I think the other thing that's good about it, kicking the tires, is because when you look at the Vikings' depth on the offensive line at the guard positions, you got uh, Jack Murphy, Mm -hmm. or or Murphy, you got Chen, who's an undrafted rookie free agent, and then Chris Reed, who has been hurt the whole training camp, and the Vikings don't seem to like him very much. So if you were to sign a guy like Reisner, that I think that would give Kevin O'Connell a bit more confidence in his depth at the guard positions. Um, so th- there's good reasons why they brought him in. Um, we don't know why they weren't able to seal the deal or sign him, whether the, they didn't feel the fit was right or Reisner's asking for more money than they're willing to pay. Um, and maybe they still will re-sign him. But I still think I, I, I agree with looking to improve your unit no matter what point in the season or the preseason it is. If you can find a better guy than the guys that you have and you can afford to bring that guy in, bring him in. Uh, Mm -hmm. So, uh, These are the excuses I'm hearing that (laughs) could possibly be true. One, he wasn't a personality fit. That's one of the first things they do when they bring people into the – the that they're evaluating will they fit with the team with what they're trying to do that whole collaboration kumbaya we all love each other stuff that happens in at egan two he may have been asked to play right guard and he said no i'm a left guard or he may have asked to compete for a starting job i.e you're not guaranteed a starting spot and that popped up there and that's floated around the internet that he wanted to guaranteed start a job. And they said, no, you're going to compete. And there's a good reason to. Yes, his pass blocking grades and skills are notably better than the two we have or the three we have across the middle. And remember, he played tackle, right tackle, and center in college. I think it would be a great depth piece to move swing anywhere. But they may have said, well, we're not going to guarantee you because running is also important to us. We want to be efficient at running, and we need people that can run block, and you frankly suck at it. (laughs) Um, And the Denver line wasn't exactly uh, sterling last year either. It was part of that. Um, The Denver was all screwed up last year. Could have been asked to, you know, like I said, back up as a depth piece across a swing guy, any position, and said no. It could be a health issue. Last year, we know he had an issue with his ankle that caused him to miss games. Maybe that's didn't fully 100% check out or something. Or he believes, and his agent believes, that, you know, he was evaluated or his valuation is around $11 million, and he's not going to play for a penny less. And the Vikings said, <laughs> no, 
we've got better things to spend money on. All those possibilities could be true, any one of them. Will we ever find out? Yeah. I doubt it. Find out from from O'Connell or Quincy Dovermenzel. So for sure. But I think this is. He gave his pitch. The Vikings gave their pitch. They didn't agree. Good luck. And I think that's all that we can make of that. So. And like a lot of players who who aren't signed yet didn't. Reisner or somebody else, like uh, they're just waiting for somebody to go down with an injury in training yeah, camp, and then uh, another, and then then they get the deal or the 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 professional playing position that they're looking for that maybe other teams weren't giving them a week ago or two weeks ago or a month ago. Quite possibly, exact. Yes, that very well could happen. Hey, Dalvin Maybe Cook's it'll be still the, out there. In a week, if Ed Ingram goes down with like a, a torn Achilles heel or, or whatever, mm-hmm. um, and then all of a sudden they're back to Dalton saying, "Hey, buddy, <laughs> uh, remember when down. we said that? Yeah, yeah, remember when we didn't want to give you that starting job? It's yours now." <laughs> That's possible. I, you never know. You want to move on from Dalton Reisner, which gets us nowhere. It's just pure speculation. We're now on to. You wanted to talk about the Vikings cornerbacks. Of course I do, Dave. Favorite topic. Um, yeah, with uh, still a position I'm concerned about. I think it's a position that all Viking fans should be concerned about. Um, just with the, the amount of youth that we have there and unproven players that we have there that we're banking on. And uh, we're start- but we're starting to learn now uh, what the depth chart at corner is looking like after a couple of weeks. And right now, uh, it's clear Byron Murphy Jr., which was going to happen anyway, and the Caleb Evans are your number one and two corners for the Vikings. On the outside. On the outside. But who's number three? That is the you know the, the, the million-dollar question. Uh, Patriots cast off Jawan Williams was running with the ones at the number three spot the first week. We've learned since then that third-round pick, Makai Blackman has been taking over and playing kind of in the nickel number three spot, which is what I thought might happen when we drafted him. And after looking at the scouting reports on him and also looking at what else we had on the roster, which was questionable at at corner at Mm -hmm. that time. So um, that is how it's rolling up now. Andrew Boot Jr. still running with the twos when he's healthy, which is rarely. Uh, He's supposed (laughs) to come back according to... Yeah, Josh he's Flores. supposed to come back every every week, every month. I think. And the, the guy is <laughs> never able to stay. And he goes on IR. Yeah, um, never able to stay on the field. So that's you, you've got that. And like, really, it is going to be, uh, am, am I comfortable with the Evans as a starter? Uh, no, I'm not. Uh, not until I see more out of him. But I'm not comfortable with anybody other than Murphy there at this point. Uh, but th- that's what we've got right now. Uh, which so, you know, Makai Blacken is your number three. We'll have to really watch closely here. It's still preseason, and, and the Vikings and Brian Flores will be trying things, of course, uh, to see what mix, mixing and matching, see what combination works. But I think uh, if Makai Blackman can keep on uh, pro, the the level of play he's been doing in training camp in preseason, and it starts on Thursday. Uh, when the Vikings play, and I expect Makai Blackman will be playing a fair bit there, that uh, 
will if he can hold his own, he's probably your number three nickel corner. He's, he's your for, nickel corner. He's your corner for the, the twenty twenty three Minnesota Vikings. And not and, and not Chan and Sullivan. <laughs> right. <laughs> and that's nickel corner when they go three corners on the field. Yes. It's also pretty much settled when they go three safeties on the field and you bring in the big nickel. That big nickel looks to be Josh Metellus. He looks like he's wrapped that sucker up. Yes. And and yeah, uh, and who those, how the, when those guys play is going to be all the other team's personnel, of course, and what they've got on the field and who they've got on the field. Josh Metellus isn't going to be chasing Brent, the Brandon Cooks of the world around, I don't think. That would be Makai Blackman or somebody else doing that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Jawan Williams, I thought, if they were using him in the ones, he couldn't have been your your nickel corner, like guy who's six four just doesn't seem to make sense to me. I think they would have shifted Byron Murphy inside on that one and had him outside. But I don't think that that's other than injury, that that's the, the personnel you're going to have at corner. It's going to be Murphy and Evans on the outside, Makai Blackman at nickel, although Blackman played on the outside a lot at USC mm-hmm. and Colorado too and did a pretty good job of it. So he can go out there, but the concern is always his size on the outside. Although, Byron Murphy isn't that tall either. He's listed at 5'11", which is what Makai Blackman's right. listed at, but he's a little bit heavier and a little bit stouter than, than right. Makai. Well, he's older and he's put on more bulk. Norsvia says Blackman is a gritty, sounds like he's gritty. I think he is. And you got to remember when playing nickel corner, you're playing in on the slot. You don't have the sideline to use as part of your repertoire, and you've got to be able to turn left and right a whole lot more and do a lot different different reads while playing it. And it's a tough position to play. And if Blackman earns it, that's good for the youngster. Very, very good for the youngster. Hopefully he stands out. Hopefully he makes a career for himself. Because there we, are... Yeah. We could use a great nickel cornerback. It's been we have a not had one... Well, I can't really remember one, <laughs> just to be honest. <laughs> Captain, uh, maybe? He had yeah, a couple of good years? Well, I don't know if he was great, but uh, yeah. you know, he, he was he was solid in that role. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which I didn't think Sullivan last year was whatsoever. Oh, not even close. Your next little tidbit. Yeah, another bit of old news, but I did feel a needed to address it. I think it was this time last week that we learned, and we're quite happy to learn, that Daniel, the Daniel Hunter contract situation, the hold in, not the hold out, because he was in camp, just wasn't participating, that he, he was a Viking, signed for one year. Uh, this was the last thing that Quasi Adolfo had to get off the to-do list for the offseason. Took a long time, but he did get it done, and no harm done on, on for the Vikings or for Hunter, uh, who's a veteran who it's not going to bother him too much if he's not getting reps in the first week of training camp or he has to ramp up. But, you know, a, a big sigh of relief, I think, for most Viking fans that this got settled. Uh, I wasn't looking forward to the Vikings trading him because I don't know what we would have got back from him. I, I wasn't really keen on day two picks, which is, and who knows. What or day three picks. That's what or day, I was day three picks. Yeah. Um, and, um, but I like it for a few a few reasons. One is that uh, we've seen Quasi Adolfo Mensa when he's when he's so far when he's been extending guys that are current Vikings or signing free agents. It's like one or two year deals, um, basically, 
and he's not going long-term four or five year with free agents or impending free agents. So getting Daniel Hunter on a one year. Yeah. Especially as they get older, they're getting close to 30. He's not interested in, in tying up money long-term on those guys, which seems very smart to me. Also like it because, and I think Aaron's mentioned it down there is that now, uh, and um, you know, it's, if you didn't, if you don't have Hunter, I've said this before, then Marcus Davenport becomes your number one edge rush guy. Mm-hmm. So teams are going to focus on him, and then they're going to let Patrick Jones, DJ Wanham, Luigi Villain, whoever the other guys try to beat them. I don't like that scenario. So you got Daniil Hunter. You know what you're going to get from him? It's going to be ten sacks or more if he's healthy, and a, a crap load of pressures on the quarterback every year, like guaranteed. I think if he's healthy. That's something that Brian Flores can depend on. He can work with. I know that Flores, you know, if you look at the, his 2021 Dolphins defense, they got 48 sacks, which was very good, but with a lot of no-name guys. Their top sack guy was Emmanuel Ogba with nine. They got a lot of per- sack production from all over the roster, which is good if you don't have Hunter. But I'd be pretty worried that we'd be able to replicate that with the group that we have. Um, I think that our pass rush would really suffer without Daniel Hunter. That's not a news flash to anybody, but but uh, <laughs> and then Captain Obvious here. But but really, uh, I didn't want to see Flores trying to have to really work his magic without Daniel Hunter and trying to get sque- you know squeeze a whole bunch out of DJ Wanams of the world and the Patrick Jones of the world who are unproven guys or guys that have proven that they're not elite. You know, very good players. So I like that. Like the fact that it takes a lot of um, again pressure off the Marcus Davenport to be the number one guy. Now you've got Davenport and Hunter, and I think that they could be a pretty good one-two uh, pass rushing uh, duo, like Hunter and Zadarius Smith were last year at times. Yes. And then the other thing is, is just the you know, Hunter. It's amazing that the guy doesn't turn twenty-nine until uh, this October, and he won't be thirty until next October. But He's getting close to 30. Again, the one-year deal doesn't tie up a lot of money when he next 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 year and the year after that. Well, when maybe he does have a significant dead cap if they were yes, if, yes. if they let him walk. There's incentive to sign him to an extension next year. I think they're still playing with the money numbers on when we look forward. They're gonna look at how did this season go? Yes. And if, if he shows, if he shows out, like I I said, I think on previous week, I'm calling for t- him to get 20 sacks. If he shows out, they're going to resign him, and they're and they'll sign him for a few years and get him to 33, 34, and he's still in the window of being a serviceable defensive end, high end defensive end at that age. But if he doesn't show up this year. Well, then they're going to let him walk, and they're going to suck up the. I'm trying to remember how much it was. It was originally. What was it? Eleven, almost twelve million. Now it's up to like eighteen million or something like that in dead cap for next year. But if they extend him, that keeps pushing that money down the road. So hopefully he has a great year. I think he will. Now I want to answer Freddie's question real quick. Freddie asked, mm-hmm. are we still a 3-4 defense? The answer to that is yes, on paper. <laughs> it's, you know, when they, if you're looking at a website and they ask what defense do they play and they say 3-4 or 4-3, three, 
Arch says 3-4. Will we be in a true 3-4? Rarely, if ever. I suspect it'll be under 10% of the time. It's going to be, like Flores says, it depends on who they're playing. And even when they are in a 3-4, it's a modified 3-4. It's not the true. They're going to have a fourth guy down there. And Flores has already said, when it comes to Daniil Hunter, but about whether his hand's in the dirt or he's standing up, he goes, I'm leaving that up to Daniil. It'll be up to him, whatever he feels more comfortable with. He's not saying, he's not dictating you must stand in a two-point stance on this play, right? You must stand right here and do this and do that. No, he's not. He's like, dude, just go get the quarterback. And literally, that's his instructions. Just go get the quarterback. And I suspect that we'll see Daniil move around on the line, very much like Cedarius did a little bit last year. And Daniil's done before under Zimmer. And that you'll bring in different types of rushing packages. And you can't call it a you know a technical 3-4. But on paper, when you have to categorize it, one or the other, we're a 3-4. But like I said, expect to see a base 3-4 less than 10% of the time. And that will probably only be on known rushing downs, period. And... Um... We've also been hearing that in training camp, Brian Flores has had uh, uh, some of the times as far as formations, he's been using only two defensive linemen, not not three. Uh, like I said, it's so, going to be, or Norsefield yeah. said, it's going to be a hybrid. <laughs> and yeah, uh, but happy that the Daniil Hunter thing got done. Uh, the other thing as far as training camp tidbits is, it wasn't in my notes, Dave, but uh, I think it's important to note that our uh, that uh, I think for two or three practices in a row, the offense has really struggled against Brian Flores' defense. Uh, he's throwing all kinds of pressures on them. They're having trouble getting it blocked. Um, and hey, you know, I in one in one part of me is like like damn, can't the <laughs> like what is the offense going to do when an opposing team tries to? Opposing teams are going to be hearing what's about wrong this. with the offense. Yeah, what's wrong with the offense? But the other part of me is like, damn, you know, this is what we were looking for—a defense that confuses an offense and does different things, and you don't know where guys are going to come from, and just creates chaos. And that is sounding really good to me. What I'm hearing out of training camp, as far as our defense, its ability to pressure the quarterback, really mess with the offensive line and the quarterback's minds about where the, you know, how to set the pressure, how to protect this. How are we going to, and, and not succeeding <laughs> very, at all in doing that. So uh, really interested to see what Flores is going to show in preseason, if anything at all. Like last year when Ed Donatello was, remember the preseason, they, you know, everybody's like, oh, well, they're going vanilla. You know, he's not showing them all his tricks. It turns out, folks, that was our defense. <laughs> yes, it they was. They were just vanilla all the time. And, and the offense looked great against it. It's yeah. I, I think I said it yesterday. I think this one the offense, this is good for them to see because they're gonna start now start to now work out you know what happens if I see this? What do I need to do? What calls do I need to adjust? If it's a blocking call, whether it's Bradbury or Cousins calling the blocking, or either one changing it to to say, Hey, I've seen this before. 
we've we've called protection to the left side. I'm switching it to the right because they're fainting or there's indication of whatever. They can make those choices because they now see them and can practice to them. It's not the same guys lining up in the same spot doing the same thing over and over and over again like it's scripted. So I think that's good for us. But I think the Flores defense, and I know I said this yesterday, the league loves the Fangio defense. And the Fangio defense, when it's done great, works fantastic. Playing the too high shell, it helps defeat the passing game and keep everything in front of you, right? And the, the the league has moved to that passing game. And one of the ways to beat that is to throw, you know, a massive bell cow running back at you time after time. But we're away from that Thanks, running Lynn. back um, running back paradigm. So you got to figure out other ways to beat it. Well, I think Flores' defense when all these teams are preparing for Fangio style, when they see the Flores defense, I think it's going to screw with their minds. Absolutely mess them up. And I think that's an advantage that the Vikings will have. And I think I said it last night. I think we take, I know I did, when I was, I was on with Justin and we are going through the schedule. We, take, we play the top four teams from the NFL from last year. Super Bowl winner, Super Bowl loser, and the champion and the conference champion runner-ups. I think we could steal two of those games. And if we do, there's not, we can get 12 wins easy. And it, and it's all going to key on that defense and how I think it's more a psychological thing because we're young and they're not, they're not polished. You don't have a whole bunch of polished veteran type players that know what they're doing other than Harrison Smith back there. But if they can mess with people's heads, that can be an effective tool. That's another weapon in your quiver, as Robin Hood once said. So <laughs> I, I'm i looking forward to it. I can't wait to see it Thursday, but we'll get into that later. Theme three. Now on to theme two. Our free agent spotlight. K.J. Osborne. Almost an hour into the show, just in theme two. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, this is the, the latest in um, looking at the uh, run over into 2023, but always mm-hmm. time to look to 2024 and, and look at impending free agents and guys that uh, whether the Vikings can bring him back and should they bring them back. And, and K.J. Osborne is another interesting uh, Cakes in, in, in only that. missed one thing. <laughs> um, and that is, uh, you know, KJ Osborne really when after his rookie year in 2020, I thought going in 2021, this guy was going to be a roster cut. Like I didn't see a role for him because he had not, he didn't do very well as a punt returner. He got zero offensive snaps as a rookie. I was like, this guy is definitely going to be a roster cut. We started hearing that he was, Hey, he's looking good in OTAs. He's looking good in minicamp. He's looking good in training camps. Could be a factor. I was like, Oh, wait and see. Then the first game against Cincinnati, I think he caught like seven or eight catches for 90 yards. And he ended up catching 50, 50 balls on 80 targets, 655 yards for 70 days, and he was a solid number three guy for the Vikings. So he he proved me wrong, was not a roster cut, was an asset to the Vikings in 2021. And in 2022, his usage went up a little bit. bit. Uh, he got um, 60 catches, 
I think he had thrown 90 targets, uh, six, 650 yards and five TDs. So uh, his, his stats were pretty much. That was in the last six games. Yes. Yeah. When he had his two first hundred yard games as well, the Indianapolis game, and then against the, the, the bears as well in the last game of the season. So he he proved to be you know again a solid number three guy somebody you could compliment Justin Jefferson and Adam Thielen uh, got but um, he was also really the number four receiving option much of his his two years um, behind JJ then TJ last year behind uh, not the behind Adam Thielen in 2021. Well, some parts of 2022, but then he kind of surpassed Thielen as the number three guy, I think, later on in the year. Now, the thing about KJ is that pro football focus, if you look at his his, his grades the last two years, uh, 64.9 in 2021, 65.2 in 2022. So those are average grades. Right. They're not fantastic. Um, and so, you know, if you look at KJ Osborne, if he – the way he's performed so far in the two years that he's played, he's a guy that really, if you were to keep on playing this way, he'd be a very affordable guy to resign. Uh, he's not going to break the bank uh, to sign him to an extension. Uh, but the question is, do you want to sink even affordable money into KJ Osborne? Because he's not like the super elite athlete and got the super elite athleticism. Right. I say this recognizing that this guy is playing in the NFL <laughs> at a high level, <laughs> you know, you know, what, you know, I feel bad saying the guy doesn't have, you know, uh, you know, supreme athleticism where he's, if you, we saw him, he'd be like, man, this guy is unbelievable. Yeah. Uh, but you know, it's, it's perspective. But anyway, uh, I think for KJ Osborne, obviously an important year for him as a, as a, as a, in the contract year, he's in a pretty good position. If he is going to stay as the number two guy at, and Adam Thielen's gone, um, Jordan Addison, we're not sure what role he's going to have in the offense. We hope it's going to be a good one, but he's going to get, as a number two, he's going to get more targets, which could lead to more receptions, more yardage, more touchdowns, more big plays, which could lead to a contract extension uh, and maybe a, a fat one for him, one that maybe the Vikings and Quasi Dofamensa don't want to pay. But I think for KJ Osborne, staying here next year is dependent on actually more on things that beyond him. One is, right. again, Jordan Addison. If Addison shows from the get-go that he can be an excellent number two complement to Justin Jefferson, uh, and be and and again we know that he's a different kind of kind of athlete than KJ Osborne, uh, quicker, um, shiftier, that sort of thing. Then if if Addison shows that he is a legit number two guy, maybe even a one B to Justin Jefferson's one A, well then, hey, the Vikings I think could be comfortable saying, look, we got Jefferson, we got Addison. I love you. Thanks for playing. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, we, we don't want to sink extra dollars into KJ Osborne, no matter what kind of year he has. We're happy with the depth. And the other thing is, I think Jalen Naylor plays into this too. Now, unfortunately, he's been hurt the past week in training camp, and he hasn't been able to build on a really strong offseason so far. But, again, it doesn't seem like he has a serious injury right now. So when he comes back, whenever that is, if he can show again, the coaching staff and, and us that he is a guy who could be a viable number three guy in this offense. Again, I think that if he can show that the Vikings can feel confident in that again, then why are you going to sink money into KJ Osborne when you've got a guy like Jalen Naylor who could be just as good as Osborne or maybe even a little better. You've got Addison who's your number two. 
And again, you got Justin Jefferson. So I think those are the kind of the things that beyond what KJ Osborne does this year or doesn't do, I think Addison and Naylor are going to really determine what the Vikings do with KJ Osborne at the end of this year and whether they sign him or not. And I've got a feeling that it's going to be um, they don't re-sign him because Addison proves that he's he's legit. He's your number two guy going forward. And Jalen Naylor shows that he can be your number three guy going forward. Mm-hmm. And there's even guys now that we're hearing about in training camp, whether uh, that maybe they can they can improve the depth too. Uh, mm-hmm. Some guys like Brandon Powell, who I didn't really think too much of. He's making a lot of plays in training camp. Thayer Thomas has showed up a few times. So there's some other guys in the depth chart that could make a guy like Kate, like just make the Vikings, Kevin O'Connell, Wes Phillips feel really good about the the whole the wide receiver unit as a whole and the depth they have and that you don't need to they don't feel they need to re-sign KJ Osborne because they've got players who can do just as well as him or even better in the role that he's in now. Mm-hmm. It's, it's going to be interesting. I always view I think KJ Osborne right now is turned into sort of the Jarius right type of person. He's guaranteed to get catch the ball, get you that first down. When it's third and eight, you need to you need the distance, and the coach calls it, and Kirk doesn't check down to CJ Ham, you know, behind the line of scrimmage or something like that. I think KJ is that guy. Whether he could step up, I fully expect him to step up and do more. He could be better than Jarius right? But at minimum, I see him in that. Um, I want to go back well, to he's, he's um, already stats are better than Jarius right? Ever ever was. Uh, Different offense. Aaron said, signed Harry. Oh, my God, this is a crazy situation. What are you referring to, Aaron? I'm not seeing anything. Akeel Harry? Oh. Wide receiver? Yeah. That's, that's what he's talking about. Okay. That's uh, Nikhil Harry was, in my opinion, probably somebody who's never lived up to his billing. Another first-rounder that didn't quite make it. He has not come close to living up to his billing. Also, a guy who's not going to be a Viking in four weeks. But uh, they're they're bringing him in because they've got a few injuries at, and uh, they need somebody to catch a few balls, I think. And he, you know, he, he, he hasn't been able to make it with the teams he's already been on, and I don't expect that things are going to be any different here in Minnesota. We'll find out. Interesting. Now on to theme three. This isn't our normal pregame show. We'll start those on September 9th. But this is sort of a pregame preview because your Minnesota Vikings play the Seattle Seahawks on Thursday night, and we have real full-speed, on-time football. After, what has it been, eight months, Dave? We've finally got some... Sort of real football that's mm-hmm. coming our way on Thursday night when the Vikings go to Seattle to play the Seahawks. Uh, love, love it when we go to Seattle. No, <laughs> no, I don't. <laughs> but, uh, but anyway, but it's it's still it's the beginning of real, sort of real football, uh, and uh, it'll give us all fans a little bit of chance to see with our own eyes these players that we've been hearing about and reading about. Uh, from guys like Tyler Fornes or Will Raggetts or Ben Gessling or or Tom Belisario or whoever you follow. Judge um, Zolgad. Judge Zolgad, yes. 
And I, um, you know, it's last year when Kevin O'Connell was first uh, preseason, uh, I was really excited to see how the team, the team in preseason with him as our first year head coach and see how everybody would perform. And uh, it ended up being, it was a pretty boring and even a bit worrying preseason. We went 0-3 and really there was almost nobody that stood out. Um, and the, the the main guy that's the star of Vikings preseason was T.Y. McGill, a journeyman defensive tackle. And then we ended up, he ended up tweaking an ankle or hurt his ankle and then we cut him right. <laughs> and didn't even make the team. Uh, and, and as you say, the picture there shows caught on with San Francisco the, throughout mm-hmm. the year and ended up playing on, on that team and actually was in the rotation. Uh, yes. But apparently we, we didn't need him. <laughs> because <laughs> we were so good on defense. But, but the 49ers did need him, and they had the best defense in the NFL last year. That's anyway, um, that's, a, that's a little rant by me. But but really, and when T.Y. McGill is the guy that's, that shows out is the most noticeable player, uh, that's a bit worrying for me. But in the end, you know, we went on three. It didn't matter because um, mm-hmm. Connell played – they didn't play any starters, like almost none. Ed Ingram was with them. Ed Ingram, guy. I think, was about it. Yeah. And that's kind of, you know, if Kevin O'Connell is, he comes from the Sean McVay coaching tree, I guess he comes from the Shanahan coaching tree too a bit, but, but if, if he follows those McVay tendencies uh, that McVay has shown in his time, then this preseason is not going to be a whole lot different than last preseason in that a lot of our starters, our veteran starters are not going to start. They're not going to play at all or very little. Like guys like Kirk Cousins, Harrison Smith, um, Jordan Hicks, uh, even guys that are younger, like those vets, they don't they don't need the preseason to to be ready. We've seen them not play last year, and they were just fine going into the regular season. You know, they're getting they've had plenty of reps in in minicamp OTAs and in preseason. And there's also going to be two joint practices with with two teams. Joint. And that and so, that's that's the key where the, you see the starters get their full speed reps. Yeah, without. Ta- mostly tackling to the ground there it's a more controlled yes type situation but they're getting their full speed reps against live you know opposing defenses that's where they're going to get their work is in those two days of each of those joint practices so don't be alarmed if you know kirk cousins is s- sitting in seattle on thursday night in a hawaiian shirt he will be nothing to worry about or his dad shirt, but but those guys are getting plenty of reps uh, now and throughout training camp, uh, and they don't need a quarter or three quarters in a preseason game right. to be ready. And then and then your younger guys, the the the, the corner cornerstones, the younger cornerstone guys like T.J. Hawkinson, Justin Jefferson, Christian Derrissaw, uh, those guys they're not going to play either, I don't think, because again, uh, you don't want to put them in harm's way. Right. And they're they've been in the league two, three, four years now. So, you know, they don't need the I think the game time reps in preseason either. But I think it'll be a little bit different, Dave, this year and that last year as far as the starters go, because um last year there was basically pretty much every Viking starter position was already set. You know, there wasn't any comment other than right guard. And so but now we've got some presume presumptive starters who I think you are going to see in the preseason games and playing a, a lot more than you saw last year. Brian Asamoah would be one of them. 
as a linebacker. Um, you know, he's expected to be starting opposite of Jordan Hicks. Um, I think that's pretty much a guarantee, but he barely played last year as a rookie. I expect the whole defense to at least get the starting defense to at least get one series with possibly the exception of Harrison Smith. Maybe Cam Bynum because they're all. You mean the the defensive backfield? Well, no, just the majority. All right. McConnell likes to not play as starters. Okay. I got that. Now, whether Thursday, because they haven't had a full speed, we haven't had a training camp practice yet. So, or I shouldn't say training camp, the the joint practices yet. We're talking for Thursday night. Do you expect anybody, any of the starters on the defense to play in the game? I expect Asamoah to play I ex- because, again, I, the Vikings have to see, I think, in a game against another team uh, for extended snaps uh, how he's going to react. How does he fit? Is he getting the defense? And also last year, because he played so little, he's not used to playing in a game 30, 40, 50 snaps at, at, you know, at full speed. Uh, and so he's got to get, I think, the conditioning part of it. I expect that Caleb Evans is another guy that's, that I want to, that you, is going to play a lot because again, he played much more than Asamoah last year, but mm-hmm. it got uh, the concussion things kind of, well, didn't kind of, they ended his season and he still didn't really play a lot. And I think there's a lot of question marks from me and the coaching staff about, how good he can be, how effective he can be as one of your starting corners. So I think, again, you want to see in preseason, those preseason games, how is Evans going to hold up? And if he doesn't hold up, then you start panicking and bringing in guys like Ronald Darby or whoever, to, you know, some Rashad Breland uh-huh. type guys, veterans who are out there to to bolster the cornerback ranks because of Caleb Evans may not be up to the task. Um, another guy I think would be, again, Ed Ingram, even though he started all last year, didn't play particularly well. The more reps he can get, the more work he can get against the big round bellies up front uh, uh, is good for him. I think, and he's going to play a lot, uh, I think, but I think Harrison Phillips, those guys, uh, those veterans that they don't need to play. I don't think that they're going to play, but there's certain presumptive starters on this, particularly on the defense side, which I think you are going to see play a lot more than what we saw last year, which is good. I think the other thing is that, to watch for in these games is because wins and losses don't mean anything really, Dave, uh, to me, as we saw last year, the Vikings haven't won a preseason game in two off seasons. Now Uh, they went on three or on four the year before, but, um, but it does matter to me when players show out, are they making impact plays? Are they making positive plays and not just screwing up and letting plays happen to them all the time? And I think, it's going to be. I think it's going to be important preseason to watch the progression of Quisi Dofamensa's two draft classes. Guys like Andrew Boot Jr., Lewis Seen, are they showing that they're finally getting it at the NFL level? That they are ready to be a contributor at the NFL level? Because so far they haven't. Injuries have been a big part of that. But but you know, those are guys to watch for. And Tyler Fornes talked in his this week in training camp how Lewis Seen in particular and Asamoah even have been shown they've been very inconsistent in the reps. They make a great play, and then they make a bad play that leads to a great play for the offense. So it's important time for them. It's important time for, I think, the two draft classes, again, that Kwesi Dovermintz is, for those young guys to show Makai Blackman, 
is he getting hold up in a game? Is he really the number three nickel corner or do we have to look at other options? Um, and Jaron Hall, we know that he's going to be the number three guy more than likely, but how far away is he from being a, a like a solid a a contributor, a number two or, and how far is he away or does he show any ability to potentially be a number one somewhere down the line? Uh, so really going to be interested to see Jaron Hall and what he does. And he did in preseason. more snaps with the twos yesterday. And he's going to play a ton in those three games, like because Kirk Cousins is not going to play at all. And it's going to be Nick Mullins and Jaron Hall. And I think we said uh, several months ago that when Hall got drafted, that, you know, if, as far as snap counts go, we'd be looking for Hall to get 75% and Mullins to get 25% because right. Mullins is a vet too. And he doesn't really need, I think, preseason to be ready. Um, and, uh, uh, you know, a couple other guys, Ivan Pace, the undrafted rookie free agent, and Dwayne McBride, the running back, rookie running back. These are Pace didn't get drafted, of course, because of his size. McBride didn't get drafted, and McBride gets drafted in the seventh round. But they were ultra, ultra, ultra productive at college. And so really excited to see what they can do. Pace has really been getting good reviews in training camp. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's at least going to – looks like he's going to – right now, everybody's saying he's going to make the 53. Uh, probably only play special teams to start out, but – uh, look at things are looking real promising. So he's a guy that got a, we're going to be watching him closely all preseason to see if what he did at Cincinnati last year translate at the NFL level. And the same thing with Dwayne McBride, who was just super productive at UAB. Can he turn, you know, can he show that what he did at college again translate at the NFL level? And then we won't worry so much about the Vikings running back depth and, <laughs> you know, if, if he shows. Well, so as of right I'll, now, Obviously, Madison. Madison's coming off a little yes boo boo, and but he was back at practice. Yeah, Kene Nwangu's missing. Don't know where he's gone off to. Supposedly a minor in- injury. Ty Chandler is supposedly doing extremely well. And between Ty Chandler and McBride, Ty Chandler gets it. Ty Chandler's by far above and beyond Ty um, McBride so far. And then McBride is dealing with something that he dealt with in college, which is the dropsies, and we don't want running backs with the dropsies. But hopefully he can develop. I mean, he's a rookie running back, taken in the, what, the seventh round? So let's see him come up. Now, you have Pace, who's pictured here, wearing the great Jimmy Clowns Saucers number. Um, <clears throat> Pace has been knocking it out of the park and turning heads. Yeah. He's been mm-hmm. literally playing that good and been that that standout-ish in camp. Now, has he made mistakes? Yes, he has made mistakes. But he is literally turning heads that, oh, my God, who was that You know, type of deal? And he and Asamoah, if they can figure it out and get it 100%, because reports on Asamoah is that, you know, two or three times he knows the exact gap to go to, and as Luke Brown, my favorite description of him, he teleports into that gap and blows shit up. Tackle for loss. And then that may be two plays in a row. And then in the third play, he spots the gap, hits, but the gap's the wrong gap. He hits that, and the guy goes for 10 yards. If he figures that out and pace keeps improving like he's showing, turning heads, we now have two guys that we can look to for in the future when Hicks becomes a free agent. And we let him walk. But 
we've got to see. And the preseason game on Thursday is the perfect spot for it. It is. And Fred Bohr just mentioned that uh, that Pace could be like uh, London Fletcher. And wouldn't that be awesome if that's what he turns out to be? Because London Fletcher was a hell of a football player. <laughs> uh, but, and I think, you know, speaking of football players, but, you know, they, the preseason again, want to see uh, players show up and stand out and make impact plays. And uh, I want to, again, I want to see those two draft classes of Quasi Dovamensa. I want guys from there to start showing up and making plays and making impact. And our younger players who maybe might be not be the, you know, the, the, the stud thought about guys, but I don't want the standout guys to be Jonathan Bullard or T.Y. McGill. Uh, I want them to be these young guys because though that is your future. Minnesota right. fans is those two draft classes. And if they are suck, it's going to be pretty sad times in 2024, 2025 for the Minnesota Vikings. I think if Quetzalcoatl's first two draft classes do not start producing. And of course the 2023 draft class, we can't say what they're like because they, they're rookies. They haven't got a chance to play. But the 2022 <laughs> draft class, the re- returns were, have been pretty meager so far. Mm-hmm. And I'm hoping, you know, Ed Ingram, Steps up, gets, you know, takes that next step, gets better, masters his craft. But even for the second year on the offensive line, that would be significant if he did that. Hopefully, there's, you know, he what scored in the 40s, 50. Hopefully, he's in the 60s. That would be great. That pass blocking. Mm-hmm. We got to see him because that first year, especially the first year, isn't looking so good. So, but I look forward to seeing scene. I look forward to seeing Booth. Booth is supposedly just about ready to come back on the field. And I've heard that so many times. It hurts yeah. to see yeah. Booth, right? Let's see him. He's right now supposedly running with the twos when he's out there. Well, let's see him. I want to see him. He had the prototypical size and speed and everything else that was supposed to be great. And he's flushing out. Let's see. And he, was in, up. he was an early last training camp, the first couple of weeks. He was like gaining a lot of notoriety and I think positive notoriety for like being very physical, getting into fights and like, and pass breakups and that sort of thing. And then he got hurt and it just, he never caught up and never really got healthy either. And it's, and now uh, you, when you, you know, there was one uh, highlight from, I think the first practice where fans were allowed in where JJ, I guess, no shame. And JJ just turned them like totally, into a pretzel and caught like a 55 yard pass from Kirk Cousins. It wasn't even a contest. Um, but you see those things and you're like, Andrew Booth Jr., uh, time for you to kind of like step up your play. Mm-hmm. Not only, you know, first get on the field and two, when you get on the field, do something. <laughs> like do something positive because we've not seen that from him. And uh, he was what, the first or second pick in the second round? Like, uh, uh, you know, a guy who was looked at is going to be potentially a first-round pick as a corner, and he's just done nothing so far and haven't, hasn't been able to stay healthy. And it's time for him to start showing some things. I agree wholeheartedly. I agree. Good now, things. Before we go, uh, there's a few announcements. One, we have the game on Thursday. There will not be a post-game show. I'm not prepared, ready, set up to do – Post game at the two minute warning for this game. We will probably have one for week two of the preseason, but not week one. There's no guarantee on week two. We may wait till the regular season, but there's no post game show on Thursday night's game. 
So don't worry about that. Vikings first in Skull over on the writing side, we have approved about six articles. I think it is. May not be that many. It seems that many. Tyler and I have been editing the folks as they get the drafts in. Go check that out over yesterday, Friday, Saturday, and today. Some will be released tomorrow. So Fans First Sports Network or Fans First Sports Network at ffsn.app. Hit, click NFL, click Vikings, and you'll find them all there. Good writers, good young writers. As for Vikings First and Skull, we have Tyler and the Real Forno Show tomorrow night. I saw that he asked for listener questions today. Hopefully, that's the topic for tomorrow, but I don't know. I haven't talked to, to Tyler since this morning. We'll find out. We'll have the Vikings Daily Opener with any you know great news. <laughs> And we'll go on from there. So we wish you to come and join us as we celebrate our love for the purple. And it is so great to have this man back, finally. Speaking of which, how are the fires? People want to know. Give us an update. Oh, uh, yeah, there's, well, there's 180 burning where, <laughs> not right around me, but in the Northwest Territories in total, so pretty active. A lot of them are in the middle of nowhere and uh, don't impact everybody, but there are a few that are close to a few communities, including Yellowknife. Right now, there's one about 38 kilometers northwest of here, and uh, it's 116,000 hectares. It's burnt so far. It's a pretty sizable one. Um, Been going now for about three weeks keeps getting a little bit closer to the community. Not a threat to the community, but it's caused the highway to, to be the main highway to get in and out of Yellowknife. There's only one. <laughs> uh, and it, it's closed, had caused that to close three or four times in the past three weeks. Not for long stretches, but uh, but still. Uh, and uh, firefighters are working their asses off to get it uh, under control. It is not under control. Not a threat to the city yet, but uh, but it's, uh, it's a concern. And uh, just got to... We're not getting much help from the weather. That no rain in the forecast at all, and uh, and somewhat windy, which doesn't help depending on which way the wind's blowing. So, just gonna have to like these are firefighters are doing a great job. They're doing everything they can. They're getting mm-hmm. water bomb, air tankers, all that stuff. But uh, we'll just it's just uh, yeah, uh, yeah. Life's not under threat, but uh, hey, the fire can move. I'm gonna use Canadian. Lingo here. The, that fire moved ten kilometers in four hours in one day last week. So depending on the winds, it can move very quickly and spread to uh, quite quickly, and then it, it is a threat. So mm-hmm. we are a bit at the mercy of Mother Nature in, in a way. Uh, it'd be nice to get some a lot of rain for two solid days, but not looking like it. But I'm not worried. But it's just it's uh it's there. You got to deal with it. You will deal with it. Freddie, uh, he's up in. Uh the Northwest Territories and Yellowknife, to be exact. To be exact. That is it for today. It is so great to have you back. What do we say, brother? We say Skull Vikings, baby, and beat the Seahawks Thursday night. <laughs> Skull Vikings. Like, subscribe, and ring the bell. And rate us on your favorite podcast aggregator. Darren and Dave, thank you for watching this episode of Two Old Bloggers. We look forward to seeing you on every show on the new Vikings First and Skull. 
You can find our podcast as part of the Fans First Sports Network. Sports takes for the fan, from the fan. Skull, everybody! This has been a Vikings First and Skull production. Part of the Fans First Sports Network.